there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There's a story that the people of Babylon worshipped a real-life dragon. King Cyrus, ruler of Babylon and Daniel, an Israelite captured by the Babylonians, engaged in a battle of wits over the creature. Speaking on behalf of his god, Daniel told King Cyrus he could prove the lack of divinity of the dragon by killing it without a club or sword. King Cyrus, confident Daniel would be defeated, agreed. Daniel boiled together pitch, fat, and hair, eventually making cakes, He presented the food to the dragon, who ate it and immediately died, proving that Daniel's God was the one true God. After the fall of Babylon, most of the ruins were covered by sand for hundreds of years. Excavations began in the 19th century, and it didn't take long to find extraordinary clues of this once thriving society. Glazed cobalt-colored bricks showed intricate drawings of animals clearly known to, if not revered by, the Babylonian people. The first was a bull, proportionally accurate and easily identifiable. The second animal is a male lion with a thick golden mane. There is no glaring artistic, spiritual, or symbolic license. But the third animal is unknown to us. Portrayed with the same size and detail as the other two, This animal is a four-legged, scaled, snake-like creature with horns, a forked tongue, and talons. If the people went through the effort of creating realistic animal artwork, selecting powerful animals such as the bull and the lion, why would they include an animal completely made up? It stands to reason that maybe the animal wasn't made up. Maybe Daniel killed an animal that simply no longer exists. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this podcast, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every week, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm your host, Claire. This is our second episode on dragons. In our previous episode, we explored the overwhelming similarities dragons and dragon stories share across cultures, 
peoples, and histories. We looked at reoccurring symbols, motifs, and descriptions. We asked why dragons appeared in academic and scientific works when no other imaginary creatures did. If they are purely a thing of legends, why is their anatomy and natural history recorded in such detail? This time, we will consider four main theories about dragons. Our first theory is that dragons are based on an extinct animal. Dragons aren't around now, but could they have been killed off by humans? Our second theory will argue that the dragon is a misinterpretation, that humans incorrectly classified any unfamiliar, frightening beast as a dragon. Our third theory states that dragons represent a primal human fear handed down as a sort of biological genetic trait. They exist as a zoological combination meant to keep early humans fearful and alive. And lastly, we'll question if the dragon myth was one of history's biggest scams. If you like the show, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. A new episode comes out every Thursday. While you're there, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, on Twitter, at Parcast Network, and at Parcast.com. We aren't saying dragons exist. We're fairly certain they don't, and never have, which is why this intrigues us. But to start our investigation, we have to ask, could dragons, or at least the traits attributed to dragons, exist in nature? Are there biological parallels among known animals for flying, fire-breathing reptiles? Could dragons have been a real creature driven to extinction by human activity? Given the dragon's unique combination of size, classification, and ability to fly, let's first look at the bird family. There are an estimated 10,000 different types of bird species in the world today, and their ability to fly has fascinated humans since the first time people looked to the sky. Pelagornis sandersi, that's the largest flying bird ever discovered. Extinct for the last 25 million years, its fossils show a wingspan reaching upwards of 24 feet over twice as long as the modern-day albatross. It's proof that something enormous could indeed fly. With an estimated body weight of 88 pounds, the bird likely used ocean wind currents to glide. But like all birds, this fantastic flyer needed a lightweight skeleton. If a dragon had the ability to fly, it too would need light but strong bones. Most birds' bones aren't solid. They have cavities that can be filled with air. The complex respiratory system connects the lungs with the hollow bones, letting birds keep their skeletal framework, but at a lower density than humans or other non-flying animals. As part of this system, most birds have nine air sacs, which function as bellows, moving air through their lungs and throughout their system. Thanks to these air sacs, the volume of air in birds' lungs is near constant. 
This keeps their mass dispersed, which helps them maintain buoyancy in the air. Interestingly, it's been confirmed from fossils that dinosaurs also had air sacs in their respiratory system, which theoretically allowed some dinosaurs to stand upright. So it's possible for reptiles to have a respiratory system that allows for flight. According to The Flight of Dragons, a 1979 speculative evolution book written by Peter Dickinson, these air sacs, or even a second stomach, another trait found in birds, could hold hydrogen, a lighter-than-air gas. Historically, hydrogen was used to make giant airships float. With enough hydrogen, something the size of a dragon, and weighing much more than the 88-pound Pelagornis cendersi, could stay in the air. Airships fell out of use after the Hindenburg disaster when the hydrogen in the ship caught fire and exploded. Hydrogen is highly flammable, so it stands to reason that hydrogen-filled lungs could also provide fuel for another notable dragon characteristic, fire breathing. According to Dickinson, the dragons would either clink teeth together or have some variation of hard-edged tonsils to create a spark and exhale the hydrogen. There are some animals known to have similar abilities, including the bombardier beetle. These little guys store hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide in their abdomens. When provoked, they initiate a violent chemical reaction that ejects a near-boiling peroxide stream at the attackers. If a bombardier beetle is swallowed alive by a lizard or frog, he can still create this reaction, thus upsetting the predator and forcing regurgitation. Admittedly, it's not the same as breathing fire. But it's biological evidence of animals being able to naturally create external chemical and heat reactions. Unlike most life forms, dragons are commonly described as resilient to fire. In some stories, dragons are even born from fire. This sounds like pure fantasy, but amazingly, there is another animal that was widely believed to have a similar tolerance to fire. And this creature may provide insight into how and why dragons held up to scientific study for so long. It's the salamander. For thousands of years, it was believed that salamanders were fireproof. Aristotle, Pliny the Elder, and even Leonardo da Vinci wrote about this phenomenon. Thanks to rigorous scientific study, we now know the amphibious salamander likes living inside and underneath rotting logs. The protection, moist environment, and plentiful supply of bugs is everything a salamander needs. Rotting logs make a perfect home for a salamander and perfect firewood for a human. When wood fires were much more commonplace, it wasn't unusual for logs containing salamanders to get thrown on a fire. When the flames got started, salamanders trying to escape ran out of the log. They seemingly appeared out of nowhere, which led to the explanation that salamanders were born from fire. This is similar to how people once believed maggots were generated from the air. In modern times, there's no known animal with fire resistance. And here's something to consider for our evolution fans. Among animals with backbones, wings have only evolved three times. In birds, bats, 
and pterosaurs. And each time, wings evolved in roughly the same way. That is, non-flying ancestors gradually transformed their forelimbs into membranous wings supported by modified fingers. This means that for a vertebrate, having wings is a trade-off. You can have arms or wings, but not both. The chances of an animal existing with wings, forelegs, a second stomach, or air sacs that could produce and store hydrogen, and the unprovable ability to resist fire are incredibly slim. Each ability comes from a specific evolutionary purpose. To avoid predators, to gather food, or to reproduce. Would a dragon really need to breathe fire when it had teeth and claws? Would it need to be able to fly when it could breathe fire? From an evolutionary perspective, a dragon doesn't make much sense. It's not likely that all of these specific abilities would be present in a single creature. And because of that, we have to discount the theory that dragons, as we imagine them, could have existed and gone extinct. Biologically, it doesn't make sense. So then, why were dragons reported biologically, in a way that no other mythological creature was? Well, it's possible all of the historians and zoologists were seeing fantastic, incredible creatures. They just weren't seeing dragons. That brings us to our second theory, that dragons were simply mistaken accounts of real animals. This idea of dragons being the exaggerations of renowned scholars and explorers, including Herodotus and Marco Polo, is not an uncommon argument. But does it hold up? Could dragons just be the mistaken first impressions humans had of an unfamiliar animal? We'll return to our story in just a moment from the Parcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now our story continues. Hardly a hundred years ago, that Europeans found the island long known to Southeast Asian peoples. On this island, Giant lizards, 10 feet long, nearly 200 pounds, with a poisonous bite and armored scales ruled. Of course, we're talking about the Komodo dragon. The largest species of lizards in the world. It's easy to see how these creatures both earned their English surname dragon and could have inspired dragon stories, hundreds, even thousands of years earlier. However, Komodo dragons are isolated to a few islands in what is modern-day Indonesia. Therefore, their existence does not explain how dragons could have been known to people around the world before such exploration. Moreover, Komodo dragons obviously don't fly. Other lizards could contain clues for early descriptions of dragons. There are bearded lizards who may have inspired the facial hair seen on some dragon artwork. It should be noted, though, bearded lizards don't actually have hair. 
but rather the underside of their throat turns black when they sense a rival or threat. A more common stand-in for dragons are crocodiles, specifically Nile crocodiles. Not only are their size, teeth, skin, and aggression suitable for a dragon, but they live near what could be considered the cradle of dragon origins. Early Greek, Roman, and Mesopotamian explorers and naturalists could easily have been startled by these massive man-eaters. The crocodile scales make them difficult to penetrate, they can disappear underwater, and they can be surprisingly agile. Though more widespread and well-documented by Europeans much earlier than the Komodo dragon, the Nile crocodile wouldn't explain dragon stories elsewhere. Furthermore, crocodiles were documented as an animal at a time dragons were said to be alive. Crocodiles did not replace dragons in the public consciousness, but rather stayed a regional apex predator taxonomically separated from dragons. Europe's fire salamander, with its vivid yellow-on-black coloration, could also serve as the inspiration for dragons. As you might assume from its conspicuous colors, the fire salamander is quite poisonous, secreting a neurotoxin to deter predators. And if it doesn't feel like waiting to be attacked, it can actually fire this secretion at its approaching enemies. While not exactly fire spitting, the toxin can cause skin irritation to humans. Coupled with the aforementioned myth of fire toleration, these salamanders could have been the origins of dragons. Sadly, these salamanders only grow to about nine inches, hardly the monsters described in legends, tales, and travel books. However, giant salamanders found in Japan and China can reach lengths of up to six feet, making them the largest amphibians in the world. That said, though, they never posed any threat to humans, feeding mostly on insects, fish, crabs, and shrimp. The most common animal that could be a relative to the dragon would probably be snakes. Snakes are found on every continent except Antarctica and embody many of the traits granted to dragons. Roman scholar Pliny the Elder wrote that a dragon could strangle an elephant with its tail. One large animal that notably strangles its prey, the python. Given a python's ability to crush and devour large animals, to say nothing of reported lengths topping 20 or 30 feet, it doesn't seem impossible, though today's leading python experts say an elephant is beyond a python's capabilities. The fact that giant snakes like pythons and anacondas swallow their prey whole also gives us a clue as to how dragons became described as gigantic. While we know that large snakes slowly swallow their prey, it's not entirely inaccurate to say they regularly eat zebras, antelope, and other mammals in a single bite. Throw in some rough translations describing a difficult-to-imagine predator, and someone could very easily misunderstand already large snakes to be much larger than reality. Komodo dragons, crocodiles, and pythons fit some descriptions of dragons, but what about the dragons known for flight? There are technically flying lizards, though the name may confuse people. Flying lizards merely glide with a connected membrane. 
They have no powered flight capabilities and are small enough to hold in one hand. Flying lizards are a lot like flying squirrels, and there are no legends of massive versions of flying squirrels. What if a snake was being carried? Eagles, hawks, and other birds of prey are known to eat snakes, so it's not impossible, likely even, that humans saw a snake wiggling in the sky as a bird flew off. A snake-bird combination may be possible, but it is just as likely people saw unusual birds. Two suspects stand out. The first is the frigate bird. These birds have an eight-foot wingspan, slightly unusual shape with a long, narrow tail, and are known in nearly every tropical climate around the world. The males have a bright red pouch on their necks that inflates during breeding season, which could confuse an unfamiliar person or at least lend itself to a creative, fire-breathing description. The second aviatory suspect is the Quetzal bird. Brightly colored and larger than the frigate bird, the Quetzal has a notably long tail, giving the possible impression, terrifying as it is, of a snake flying in the air. Or what about sea dragons? Could there have been massive, dangerous, rarely seen, yet commonly known creatures at sea? Actually, there were. Whales live in every ocean around the world, yet early sea explorers struggled to understand them. Whales came up to the surface after hours underwater. They neared ships and were even known to capsize some boats. Another strong contender for a sea dragon stand-in might be the oarfish. Oarfish have been found in tropical waters around the world. A dead 23-foot oarfish washed up on shore near San Diego in 1996, with other oarfish sightings estimating lengths of 30 or even 60 feet. Unfortunately, oarfish are rare and unlikely to have ever attacked a person or sunk a ship, much less on enough occasions to spread fear among sailors. Therefore, they make for poor sea dragons. The glaring problem with thinking that unidentified animals were responsible for dragon sightings is that dragons continued to be sighted after these animals were identified. European explorers figured out the anatomy and biology of alligators. Asian naturalists identified and cataloged birds, lizards, snakes, and more in line with dragons. But what about mutations? In the scope of humanity, Charles Darwin's theory of evolution is still a relatively new concept. Is it possible that lizards, snakes, or birds born with an extra set of legs, lack of legs, a protrusion, or some other deformity were seen by people and therefore defy general classification? Unfortunately, when extra limbs do occur, they tend not to be adaptive. They're the result of birth defects or parasitic infections. If people saw a living mutation, they would have likely seen an animal struggling or dying, not excelling as dragons were described to be. Each animal that could have been mistaken for a dragon is either far too small, rare, or incapable of dragon attributes to be a reasonable stand-in for dragons worldwide. It's too much of a stretch for all of these different animals to be mistaken for one 
single, very specific animal. What if it was a very specific animal? A creature that dominated the Earth for thousands of years. An animal that lived on every continent and was known to every culture since the dawn of recorded history. An animal with unparalleled size, variety, and mystery. An animal that's now extinct, the dinosaur. Technically comprised of several extinct animals, the dinosaur answers many mysteries of the dragon myth. The Tyrannosaurus rex had a massive skull with rows of sharp teeth. The pterodactyls had wings and talons. The first known dinosaur fossil discoveries were in Sichuan, China, 2,000 years ago, when scholar Chang Chu wrote about dragon bones. He knew the bones didn't belong to any common animal or person. They didn't belong to any exotic animal. They didn't even match the anatomy of mythical animals, except for dragons. Then, like now, the bones were proof dinosaurs were real. It's impossible to say if early societies had the notion of animal extinction, that something clearly real like dinosaurs could cease to exist altogether. It was in 1842 that the anatomist Richard Owen proposed that the giant extinct animals, previously considered dragons, should be called dinosaurs, from the Greek words meaning terrible lizard. Today, baryonyx bones are found in mainland Europe and England. Sauropod bones are found in Japan and China. Over thousands of years, in all corners of the world, dinosaur bones were discovered only to stump and mystify the finders. But as dinosaurs became more categorized and understandable, new ideas emerged. What if dinosaurs still exist? What if Richard Owen was too quick to separate dinosaurs from dragons? While people have transversed the globe, there are certain less habitable places, and a living dinosaur would certainly go a long way in explaining accounts of living dragons. Could a dinosaur species have survived millennia after millennia? Could a species classified as myth be made real? Could an extinct species be brought back? Incredibly, this is not the stuff of science fiction. There is real-world precedent. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now the story continues. Europeans exploring Egypt and other parts of Africa encountered stories and depictions of a short-neck forest giraffe, or possibly some odd zebra or horse for hundreds of years. It became common knowledge that some unseen animal was either extinct or merely a myth. Optimistic researchers speculated there was a species of unicorns deep in the African continent. Sir Henry Johnston was a late 19th century British explorer, botanist, artist, and linguist who traveled widely in Africa, writing several books on the people, flora, and fauna. Despite his time, study, and expertise, Johnston was puzzled by certain animal tracks. Congolese people told him about a creature called the Ati, but none had been photographed, captured, or even seen by Europeans. 
Johnston was eventually gifted small pieces of striped skin and a skull, neither of which matched animals known to him. Johnston guessed it was a relative of the giraffe, and scholars later identified it as the Okapi in 1901. They ultimately found live ones in the Congolese forests and created a new genus or subfamily group called Okapia. And just like that, an animal previously only known to the local people, a creature considered myth for hundreds of years, the forest horse, the short giraffe, was made real and became a fixture at zoos around the globe. In similar fashion in 1938, a coelocanth fish thought extinct since the dinosaur age was found alive and well, defying previous extinct status. If animals like the okapi and the coelocanth can elude human detection, perhaps a few remaining dinosaurs could do the same. But until we find evidence of a living dinosaur or dragon, we can't validate this theory. While it's possible dragon accounts were inspired by misidentified animals or dinosaur bones, we think this last theory is a bit more believable. Anthropologist David E. Jones was studying the African vervet monkey when he analyzed three separate and distinctive alarm calls among the monkeys when one of their members noticed one of three predators. When a monkey saw a snake, she howled to the others and they would get into a bipedal stance to better see the ground. When an eagle was sighted, all monkeys looked to the sky or took shelter. And when the monkeys hear a warning about a big cat, they quickly climb trees and get to the smallest branches, which would not support the weight of a prowling leopard or tiger. These three major threats to monkeys were also the major threats to another primate, early humans. We're not breaking any new ground in saying that we share 96% of our genetic framework with chimpanzees. And if one were to combine these animals, the snake, eagle, and cat, one would get a monstrous creation not unlike a dragon. Dragon may just be the lingering combination of threats to our ancestors, developed, honed, and modified over millions of years. Fear of dragons may be in our ancestral DNA. As further evidence, monkeys that have been in captivity their entire lives still have fearful responses to threats only found in the wild. That is, a monkey that has never seen a snake, that has never been threatened by a snake, that has never heard the snake alarm, will still be afraid of a snake. This would explain why humans are afraid of big cats, snakes, and large birds, even in places where these threats don't exist. It would also explain why people around the world might be afraid of dragons. The dragon is a creature that combines the threats of predators that hunted our common prehistoric ancestors. The dragon is a single psychological representation of all of early man's fears. One glaring problem, this genetic fear theory doesn't explain the positive connotations some cultures have with dragons associating them with wisdom and luck. Well, perhaps we aren't giving our ancestors enough credit. Maybe they caught on to these primal fears and exploited them. 
It's possible dragons never physically existed, but rather humans created and perpetuated the dragon myth, the combination of things that scared us for personal benefit. For thousands of years, dragon slayers, warriors, and monster hunters exploited others' fears and prejudices for profit. The greatest heroes, living or mythical, needed the most formidable villains. Defeating a bear, alligator, lion, snake, or eagle wasn't as impressive as defeating a monstrous combination of all these animals. Being killed by any real animal was less impressive or meaningful than falling to an unstoppable fire-breathing force. According to this theory, dragon stories were a tool used to gain power, a psychological manipulation tactic. Supposedly, religious men blamed destructive weather on dragons to convert non-believers. Naturalists then made up facts about dragons so as to be experts on dragons. Stories in books and newspapers detailed dragons to sensationalize their content and sell more copies. Creationist explorers and writers promote the existence of living pterosaurs and dinosaurs to give evidence of a 6,000-year-old Earth. Bones were incorrectly classified. Fables made historical. Animals made monstrous to capitalize on foreign fears and racist sentiments. Time after time, well-read scholars would find something like dragons as an easy explanation, to only then use twisted and tortured logic to defend ridiculous dogma. Dragon stories ignore scrutiny and scholarship, instead relying on confirmation bias. Each story further proves previous stories. In a corruption of the scientific method, People who sought evidence of dragons found evidence of dragons. Conveniently adaptable definitions and purposely inaccurate translations connected dragon stories and descriptions despite the obvious differences and tenuous connections. Dragons were always known to be fictitious. Thus, the Zodiac makers and Babylon painters used dragons to symbolize dreamers fond of imagining. Dragons are the creative people and creative influences on the world. Dragons never had anything to do with animals. Dragons were a scam and a lie. But that gets us wondering, how much of this was people lying to others, and how much of this was people lying to themselves? The easiest explanation is that the dragon myth is built on lies and accidents. Dragon fascination is the result of powerless people wanting power and control of their world, or at least control over other people. The flip side to this cynical theory on dragon existence is that we can approach dragon creation myths with a more romantic view of humanity. Just because dragons never existed with humanity in a physical sense doesn't mean they haven't helped humanity. Maybe the dragon myth exists around the world because dragons help people find safety, comfort, and community. Dragon stories are educational. David E. Jones theorized monkeys warn one another of predators and dragons cover all habitats. 
So shouldn't humans do the same to save each other from threats? Dragons' recurring weakness is their underbelly, possibly illustrating to people our own vulnerability. When dragons are defeated by warriors and knights who attack an underside, it's a lesson in self-defense. Stories of dragons protecting treasure correspond to people using snakes to protect grains in storage from mice and rats. Snakes were a threat, yes, but so was losing food. On maps, dragons represented the unexplored and unknown, and the unknown became personified by a monster. An uncountable number of explorers left their homes to see new parts of the world, only to never return. Death befalling early adventurers is easier to understand if credited to a monster or dragon, rather than an accident or mystery. The people they left behind and never saw again needed closure and reason. The common occurrences don't mean conspiracy or a single source of misinformation. They mean we are one people, trying to understand one another. After research and investigation, we think this theory holds the most weight. Dragon myths prove we are all human, that we all seek understanding and connection. The rich diversity of tales is proof of power, creativity, and intelligence throughout mankind. The unknown and the unfamiliar can be terrifying, but it can also be fun and manageable. And that's the power of dragons. Don't forget to subscribe to Unexplained Mysteries on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Unexplained Mysteries is written by Nick Adams and stars Claire Delamar and Richard Rossner. Thank you.